Hello everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Radio. I'm Gary Hoban, I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the beautiful Gold Coast. And if you're on the Gold Coast at any time, feel free to come and join us as we meet together and we share in the Word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And for more details, you can visit our website which is www.refinerylife.org. And this week we're continuing our new series which is titled Personal Portraits of Peter. These messages will contain lessons that can help each and every one of us daily. And today we're talking about Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. The text we're concentrating on is Matthew 17, 5. And it says, While he was still speaking, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased and delighted. Listen to him. Being told right from the start, we need to listen to Jesus. And the scripture reading, which we won't go through now, but we'll work through, and you can read later on yourself, and I encourage you to, is Luke 28 through to 30, sorry, 9, 28 through to 36, and then the parallel passages of Matthew 17, 1 to 8, and Mark 9, 2 to 8. Now Jesus' experience with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi marked a distinct turning point in his ministry. He was obviously pleased with Peter's confession of faith in him as the Christ, the Son of the living God in Matthew 16, 16. And how utterly impossible it was for Peter and the other disciples to consider death and the suffering for the miracle-working Christ. Imagine it. You'd been walking with Jesus. You knew that he was the Messiah. And then he's telling you he's going to die. It would have been hard to imagine. And not being able to take Jesus' prophecy of death literally, they were puzzled rather than helped by his prophecy of resurrection, as you would be. He's telling you that he's the Messiah, but then he's going to die and, and be resurrected again. And that would be hard to get your head around. Matthew 16, 22 says, Peter took him aside to speak to him privately and began to reprimand him, saying, may God forbid it, this will never happen to you. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? At Jesus' baptism, he had dedicated himself to a ministry that would culminate in his death and resurrection. Remember, the symbolism of baptism is exactly that, death and resurrection. In this, the Father was well pleased. The voice from heaven said in Matthew 3, 17, Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased and delighted. In the temptations in the wilderness, Satan sought to persuade Jesus to take another way. Have a look at Matthew 4, 1-11 and Luke 4, 1-13. Luke 4, 13 says, When the devil had finished every temptation, he temporarily left him until a more opportune time. Have you ever had the devil do that to you? He tempts you and you pass the test? And he he goes away for a while until there's a more opportune time when you may not be as strong, maybe when you're not looking to Jesus as much, maybe when you're not reading your Bible, and then he comes back and has another go. Peter unwittingly became the devil's mouthpiece to renew the temptation again. 
But Jesus turned and said to Peter in Matthew 16, 23, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I pray that Jesus never says that to any of us. And Peter was no more actually Satan than he had been earlier an actual rock. The disciples must have been further confused by Jesus' paradox about saving life by losing it in Matthew 16, 24-25, where it talks about discipleship being costly. Let's read it. Verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, take up his cross, which is expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Verse 25, For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it, that is, life with me for all eternity. And they would have been confused by his statement in Matthew 16, 27, which says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory and majesty of his Father with his angels, and then he will repay each one in accordance with what he has done. How could Jesus talk of his return in glory as the final judge and of death at the same time? The transfiguration was God's answer to their confusion. Each of the accounts in the Gospels bears its own unique witness. The transfiguration assured disciples, sorry, the disciples, that Jesus was different than them. We must remember we're not little Jesuses. We are not Jesus. We are to work towards being Christ-like, but we're not little gods. Mark 9.2 says, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured, changed in form before them and began to shine brightly with divine and regal glory. Luke gave the time as about eight days after these sayings. He also noted that it was as he prayed in Luke 9, 28-29 that Jesus countenance was altered and his clothing became white and dazzling. No one knows enough about the person of Jesus to know what the transfiguration meant to him. As the temptations to avoid the cross were real, surely the assurance of the transfiguration must have meant a lot to him though. The transfiguration affirmed that the death of Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Have a look at Luke 9. 30 and 31. It says, And behold, two men were talking with him. They were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and was speaking of his departure from the earthly life, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Moses was the representative of the law, and Elijah was the representative of the prophets. They were speaking with Jesus about his coming death at Jerusalem. Elijah's presence affirmed, in your death and resurrection, you are fulfilling all that the prophets said. And Moses' presence likewise attested, in your death and resurrection, you are doing what the law commands. Paul also witnessed that the law and the prophets are fulfilled in Jesus as 
the example that's given in Romans 10.4 and Galatians 3.21-29. Peter, however, did not understand it all at this time, but the Holy Spirit would interpret the experience for him. On the day of Pentecost, his sermon would clearly expand this theme, as would his epistles later on as he wrote them. Have a read of 1 Peter 1, 10-12. In fact, let's read it together now. Regarding this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace of God that was intended for you searched carefully and inquired about this future way of salvation, seeking to find out what person or what time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he foretold the sufferings of Christ and the glories destined to follow. It was revealed to them that their services, their prophecies regarding grace, were not meant for themselves and their time, but for you. In these things, the death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ, which have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, who was sent from heaven, into these things even the angels long to look. The transfiguration assured the disciples concerning life after death. Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows where his burial place is to this day. According to the account in 2 Kings 2, Elijah did not die. He was translated. Let's have a look at it. 2 Kings 2.11 As they continued along and talked, behold, a chariot of fire with horses of fire appeared suddenly and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Moses represented all the redeemed who had died or would die, whether the place of their burial is known or not. And Elijah represented all who had been or would be translated without seeing death, as the redeemed living on earth when Jesus returns at the end of the age. Both men are with Jesus in glory right now. Both are talking to him and both are interested in what he is doing. Peter, James and John did not need to be introduced to Moses and Elijah. They knew them intuitively. Their bodies probably were fashioned like our Lord's glorious body after his resurrection. And Peter had a foolish proposal. Have a look at Luke 9.33. It said, And as these men... Moses and Elijah were leaving him. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is delightful and good for us to be here. We should make three sacred tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. And there's two objections to Peter's suggestion that are evident to me. First, the disciples can not always be in worship on the mountaintop. So many Christians want to always be in worship on the mountaintop. But there's work to be done in the valley. We can't always be in worship. We have to actually do the work. And secondly, the more important thing is Jesus is not meant to be equated with Moses or and Elijah. Jesus is unique. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is not a prophet, but the prophet. By the same token, Christianity is not to be thought of as one of the world's great religions. It is the true religion by which all others are to be tested. 
And the father bore testimony to Jesus, his sonship and his messiahship and his authority. The presence of God was manifested in the Shekinah cloud of glory, the cloud that had led the children of Israel in the wilderness. The voice from the father spoke the same words as he had spoken at Jesus' baptism in Matthew 17.5. Let's read it. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased and delighted. Listen to him. Hear Jesus as the fulfiller of the law, the greatest of God's messengers, the suffering servant, the saviour of the world, the final judge, the way, the truth, and the life. Hear him as he interprets his death and as he calls to salvation. The disciples fell on their faces in reverence, as should we. They arose at Jesus' touch and heard him say, Arise and be not afraid. Let's look at Matthew 17, 8. It says, And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Moses and Elijah were gone. Their work was fulfilled in Jesus. He alone abides. Let us not be afraid of life nor death, for Jesus is the Lord of both. Let us hear him, for all truth is fulfilled in him. That's my challenge to you this week. Let us hear Jesus, for the truth is fulfilled in him. And I want to encourage you, as I do every single podcast, to be diligent with your Bible study time because... God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways. Because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him, and He can make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God. You know that already. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises to you. So whatever you're concerned about, whatever you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well so you won't miss any of our messages. We're doing messages on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays at the moment. Until next time, stay in the blessings.